it takes money to make money. So while you are still in this phase of having a small amount of money, you need to get a side hustle and be real good at that. Like even as a big investor now, my online course funds my investing portfolio. And before it was real estate funded, my commissions from real estate, I would help teachers relocate every summer, funded trading and me becoming better. So you are going to need something to fund your account. You can't just start with zero dollars and say, I want to invest in, in stocks and options because you probably will lose. So you're going to need something to be able to replenish that after the first mess up. And then you can keep building from there. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of The Social Proof Podcast, Social Proof 7. We're here live. Uh, super excited. I have to, have to, have to say thank you to our sponsor, Trade and Travel, okay? who is uh, responsible for these uh, lamb chops and all that. Y'all about to eat, okay? She sponsored, saw what we were doing, and said, yo, if you need anything. I didn't even ask for anything. I was just telling her what's going on. She was like, yo, I got you. And she sponsored the Social Proof Sevens for the rest of the year. Uh, Trading Travel is definitely uh, owned and operated by the one and only Terry Ajo. Thank you so much. Anybody that sponsors anything for a year, like you know, she deserves to be on this panel. So we're about to get this party started, okay? Um, and I want to introduce you all to uh, a few friends of mine who are I- I'm learning from every single day um, because I feel like I was I felt like I was investing, but I was investing in a business that I have to work. So like I could I could take some profits, then I'll put it into the business. So that I can make some money. So I was really just paying myself. Or I'm investing in a business that's going to pay me, but I got to still work for it, right? So investing in yourself is different than investing in investments. And the way I see it is like this picture of you have some soldiers and you send them out to battle and you're in the castle, but those soldiers come back with more soldiers. They've captured some more. They've doubled. While you were in the crib, you was in the castle. And that's the type of money that I want to make. So some people, y'all might have an investment, 401k. That's investment with some of your check into the future. And it grows at a percentage of a percent over time, right? That wasn't funny, y'all. Go ahead and nerve somebody. All right, but uh, we are going to talk about high-level investing today. And I would like everybody to introduce themselves. Uh, we're going to start on the end. Kenneth. Good evening. Um, first and foremost, thank you, David, for having me. My name is Kenneth Igwe. I'm the managing director for Baker College & Company. Very simply, we're a commercial lending firm. Uh, since 2015, we've financed 1,000 projects, uh, funded over a billion three. Uh, we fund residential as well as commercial real estate projects all over the country with really a primary focus on the Southeast. Um, when it comes to investments, we'll fund renovation loans, New construction projects will fund um, uh, rental properties, Airbnb properties. We'll also fund commercial. It really runs the gamut. So I've been in Atlanta for about 20 years now. I feel like I'm one of you guys now. I came from Houston, Texas, uh, proud graduate of Morehouse College as well as Georgia Tech. 
And I love to have this conversation and discussion about investments. When anyone ever comes to me, by definition, you are a business owner, you are an investor. So let's get this party started. Good round of applause. Let's go. We're going to jump on the end of the fits. Mic on? Uh, well, we need it. Start here. We'll use that question. All right. So I'm Fitz Hall. Um, Fitz, financially Fitz on Instagram. Um, I'm full-time cryptocurrency investor, trader. And um, I started in two th 2016. I went full-time in 2017. And since then, I've done various things in crypto from providing liquidity, um, from finding different 10x coins, from trading, uh, swing trading and more recently um, I got into a lot more passive income opportunities uh, in crypto which I think are extremely important doing where we are uh, from an economic standpoint right now so it's pretty much what I do well, this is Derek Harper hey I'm Derek Harper senior um, I started as a coach I guess uh, but I use coaching and resources in return for uh, consultative equity in businesses. When I realized whoa, whoa, that- whoa, what? For consultative <laughs> equity in businesses, right? So- um, explain that. So coaching- I know what it means. It's just, right, so, so yeah. So coaching is when you charge $10,000 a month or 10,000 to coach, but consultative equity is when I provide the resources and get 30% of the business. So instead of talking to you as a coaching client, I'm training you as a CEO so that you can run the business and the business make the revenue without me having to do anything after I get it on track. So, um, you know, I'm vested in over, what, 27 businesses? What um, 48 businesses at 10%. And I got seven businesses that we run on our own. And um, yeah, so I use that to generate revenue. I didn't know that. We yeah. got to clap that up. God, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's my boy. I didn't even know. Why didn't you try to buy my company? I did. No, you did. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. What's up, man? Uh, my name is Daniel Chista. I'm a European Romanian. And I end up in the beautiful state of Virginia before landing in Georgia. I make my money in commercial construction. Nothing, nothing sexy about that, and it's a business that's very hard to sell. But um, I take my money and I invest them in commercial realty, in the stock market, and I also invest in domains. I don't recommend. They are hard to sell, but they are good investments. Good, good. Clap it up. Clap it up. And I'm going to tell them. I'll tell them in a second. Okay. Terry. Hey, everybody. My name is Terry Gioma. Anybody here know about trade and travel? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I invest in stocks and options. I'm a trader, and I used to be an assistant principal of an elementary school and needed an exit strategy. So I started trading just so I could make enough to leave my job. And it was, we you always hear about people trading and they want to buy Maseratis and millions and all this stuff. Mine was, I just needed $300 a day so I could leave my boss alone and tell him kick rocks and go travel all over, over the world on my own. So that's what I did. So I'm a stocks and options, options trader. And then now because I've been able to make so much, I also invest in real estate. I invest in companies and invest in people. So. Nice to be here. Thank you. All right, so I got I gotta I gotta start off with Daniel because um, 
how I met Daniel is I was looking for a building, but I needed something that, because I wanted to like, do a podcasting studio. How many people came to my studio today with us? Are you okay? Y'all pulled up? It was a lot more, but a lot more came. They're just not here right now. But um, so I saw this sign. It said for sale. And I think there was a sign. I think you had a sign that said uh, seller financing or owner financing. Owner financing. Well, like, that's interesting because at, at the, this is like the, the height of COVID, it's 2020. And um, obviously, banks aren't like lending, especially if all your stuff ain't together. You know what I mean? Like, I'm together now, but the taxes and all that kind of stuff. You know, entrepreneur, you make money, you're like, ah, oh, taxes, I ain't worried about that. <laughs> so I can't really go through a bank, but I needed a building. And I didn't want to build out a building that I didn't own. So, moral of the story. Daniel sold me the building that I bought, but he financed it, meaning I had to give him, I had to give him like 10%, like $50,000 upfront. But the deal, the way the deal is structured is I pay interest only, a percentage interest only for five years with a balloon payment. Now I'm going to pay it off. I'll pay it off this year, but you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So... I pay Daniel a certain amount of money. He's the bank. A certain amount of money every single month. He's my mortgage lender. The money that I give him doesn't go to the principal, the amount I bought it for. It's interest only. Here's what's cool. If I did that interest only for five years and I don't pay off the whole amount, he can take the building back. So... The fifty thousand up front, and then the thousands that I pay up every single month for five years, and he just to keep he gets to keep all of it and get to resell the building. I said, "That's cool." <laughs> Give him a round of applause, please. <laughs> so, how did you come up? First off, I'm not paying you this for five years. That's the first thing. We're not doing that. Sure. But <laughs> how did you come up with this model? Like, where'd you come up with that? The building that I sold was fairly small, about four or five thousand square feet. And thirty-seven fifty. I know. <laughs> uh, it's ideal for a lot of small businesses. And frankly, there's nothing greater to invest as a business owner than actually own your building. Because at the end of the day, when you retire or you sell your building, at least you have an asset that's paid for and will earn you income for a long time. The problem is that a lot of the small businesses do not get approved by the banks. So we try to do the good thing and go to the SBA. Good luck with that. And uh, they will take six months to eight months to approve you for something. By the time they tell you an A, the building is already sold. I didn't need the money. I wanted to sell the building, but I didn't have any plans to do with the money. When I realized that the people that are the best match to buy the building actually do not get approved, I put a sign up that says owner financing and uh, being real estate, you cannot really go anywhere. So I have that as a security. And it's really nice to just not have to cut the grass anymore, uh, but get a check every month. So uh, the idea came from simply being active and the need and, and solving it. And it's really cool to uh, see the development, uh, the construction being almost, almost finished in there. And also, I gave David the option to pay back if he gets approved by SBA. 
or by a bank without any penalties. So if there is any moment where it says, you know what, hey, my podcast is doing really well, here's a check, we're good to go. But meanwhile, money makes money. There's the game. <laughs> oh, man, I thought that was so lit. Um, Kenneth, I, uh, I had a real estate deal go south one time at the hands of a hard money lender. But it wasn't their fault. It was me not understanding real estate. I didn't have a coach. Say, get a coach. Say, get a coach. I thought it was just a really easy deal. This guy comes out, he surveys the property. He's like, yo, all right, cool. I give you the money and do the points and all that kind of stuff. And it turns out he's a hard money lender. You are a hard money lender, yes? So I'm not fond of that word. Let me tell you why. Hold on, is it the same thing? Um, there's similarities, <laughs> but I'll tell you why I'm not fond of the word okay. it, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, we are a commercial lending firm. Do we provide funding at hard money rates? Yes. However, as a commercial lender, our rates start at 3.5. As a po- so most hard money lenders are never going to be able to provide that type of rate. And so when people send, we are on a personal mission to essentially change the narrative of hard money or what you classify hard money as. It's commercial lending. It's, these are business purpose loans. These are loans destined to design for investors like yourself to go out and buy properties and do whatever you need to do to invest those properties as well. But yes, um, commercial lending is much There we go. Round of applause. He's admitted it. No, but that's cool. That's cool, right? Yeah. Because it works out like a lot though. The whole real estate industry, not the whole real estate industry, but a lot of the, a lot of investors rely on someone yep. who can give them money and get the deal done while they fix it and flip it, right? Correct. So your first first lending process, mm-hmm. you take money out of your bank account and give it to somebody? How did that work? Yeah, so when we started, I literally was funding some of these deals in my own pocket. And it was interesting because I was a little nervous. It was frightening. Like, am I going to get this money back? I placed a lien on someone's property. I just need to get my money back in a very within a six to twelve month time frame. Um, until we started to kind of get institutionally backed, which we are now. Um, most hard money or private money lenders, they'll tend to start out in that manner. They'll use their own capital, go out and start lending, or they're really trying to just get a better rate of return on their capital than they would if they were to go to maybe uh, another platform. And Hold then on, real quick. Be- so you were you are investing your own money. Mm-hmm. And then you got institutionally backed. Correct. What's so when you institutionally backed is when now we, we, we raise money, we will sell the notes of the properties that we actually put liens against. And those institutions will buy those notes from us. So they'll recapitalize us back so we can just keep using our money over and over and over again. And so institutionals, you know, you can work with anywhere between 10 to 15 to 20 million or so. And with that, it just allows you to really scale. So every single, well, most hard money lenders are wanting to get to that position. Some do not want to do that because they don't necessarily want all of the protocol or all the, um, the, the, the bureaucracy that comes with institutional capital. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
with NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. But we don't mind. But if you want to scale, you got to be able to attach yourself or align yourself with institutional capital at some point. So you can stay a private money local investor and hold local lender, and that's fine. But we wanted to scale. We wanted to be able to do more deals. We wanted to do deals all over the country. And so it's just, it's attractive when you can do deals in Los Angeles and Washington and, you know, Houston, where my originally uh, hometown, and you'll be able to really kind of take advantage of those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so I, what I like about that model is it doesn't matter whether you get your money back or not, you still win. Right. Because let's say, for instance, um, a house is worth, I don't know, $300,000. Somebody gets it for one fifty, which is a really, really good deal. Amazing. And they put money down to get the one fifty, dollars Then they got to give you some money up front. Mm -hmm. And then they put all this work into it. And if they don't get your money back, you got a $300,000 house for $150,000. Correct. Yeah. It's an amazing cost. And, you know, it's, and I tell people, like, that's crazy. Like, I don't care if you give my money back. I, it's a win-win for me anyway. Yeah, it's an amazing concept. We also do that with land. So I'd love to hear your story about the gentleman who did that for you as well, because I kind of see where you're going with that. Mm. Uh, with that, you have so many opportunities and so many things you can do with being able to scale. Because when getting... Was that, it was Daniel. He did. It was him. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's my landlord. I mean, it's my mortgage lender. Getting debt is simple. Like, getting a loan is fairly, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. What I mean by that is you literally have to check a couple of boxes, and you come to someone like me, and the deal makes sense, we're going to fund it. Um, the challenge is raising the equity. And so we tend to show people, okay, when you're going into these projects, you have to be, have enough equity. And when I mean equity, I say equity, cash. That's a fancy way of just saying cash. You have the cash, the liquidity, the moolah to get into some of these projects, whether they are a $150,000 property, or whether they are a half a million dollar commercial project, the, the mechanism is still the same. It doesn't necessarily change. So someone like us, we love investing in those types of projects because we know we're uh, collateralized. We've got, a piece of, we've got a building that if you decide to exit, vacate, God forbid, whatever happens to you, we still have our equity. We still have our, our um, position in that, that property. And we're fine with that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Clap that up, man. So, Terry, um, you're an investor, and you tried to teach me this whole options thing, and I just, 
I, I need to get more focused for sure. He, yeah, he couldn't get it, y'all. He couldn't get it. <laughs> so this is a really interesting concept, too. Can you explain how you put money in the market and it just comes back in terms of options? Options are like, so we've been talking a lot about real estate. So in Puerto Rico, this is an easy way to explain it. In Puerto and Rico. you moved to Puerto Rico. I did. Why? For taxes. As that is a cool thing. You moved to Puerto Rico for taxes. Why tax? Well, tell me, explain that. For traders, there's a 0% taxes for traders and then 4% for online businesses. And I have an online business that's doing really well. So, hold on. And trading. 0% taxes for traders? Mm-hmm. Capital gains. You have to apply. You have to live there. So I have to have residency over 183 days a year. And once you apply and get approved, they're hoping for more capital to come to the island. So they're asking wealthy people to come. And this is our incentive. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> About to move. About to move. Okay, go ahead. Please, please share. Okay. So, okay, guys. So, this is this is an easy way to explain options. So, I'm buying a new place closer to uh, the city because I want to be like where the action is. There's shops and um, shops and restaurants in Puerto Rico, and there's a place that I love, but it's 4.8 million dollars. And y'all, I I have it, but I don't want to pay 4.8 million dollars. I'm like, I just, I just. I just don't want to. So so I told them, okay, how about this? I'll do a lease to own. So what you're doing, what you just did, I'm doing a lease to own. How about I pay for two years of rent up front, and then at the end of the two years, you'll allow me to buy it, right? So I'm leasing it, and then I get to buy it at the end of two years. Well, that's exactly the same as an options contract. It basically says, you know what? I'll pay you up front to buy this stock at this price. And at the end of this time, then I'll actually get the stock at this price. So it's a contract. It has an expiration date and it literally just says, I'll buy this number of shares if you give me this much time on this date. And, and that's what an options contract is. And through that process, that, that's how you had your, your million dollar days? Yeah. Well, I traded options contracts with Amazon. Explain that. Because the first... The first podcast episode we did it was maybe t- almost two years ago maybe a year and a half ago and you were, i think you were you were saying you're you're you haven't had your million dollar day yet mm-hmm. so how many of those days have you had since a lot well enough <laughs> enough enough so so i told you guys earlier that i wanted to make 300 dollars a day like that was my big goal to start leaving my job as assistant principal well i started getting better as a trader and my account started growing so I started having $1,000 in a day, like $1,000 days. Then I started working up to $100,000 days. And then now last year, million-dollar days. So, yes, I used options contracts at Amazon for that. All right, I want to learn again. I want to learn again. Okay. <laughs> I need to lock in. We got, any other, we got any other traders, any options traders? Y'all trade options? Y'all do? Shout out to the traders. Anybody had like a $1,000 day? So them joints okay, are real. Okay. It's coming over there. Y'all have some thousand dollar days. Thousand dollar days. Okay, no. <laughs> Futures. I don't understand. Okay, y'all talking all my. Okay, you <laughs> <He, he> rap. <laughs> all right. So, um, and I'm I'm coming to you next there because I I didn't know what you got going. Fitz, um, probably the most knowledgeable person I've ever heard talk about 
cryptocurrency and NFTs, and he gets so passionate about it. Do you advise everybody to invest in crypto? Like every single person? Absolutely. No, is this mic on? Is this mic on? What's up? Where? <laughs> okay. Um, y'all want to wanna check that? Okay, go ahead. So, why, so everybody. I'm not talking about, what it like, is it depending on their financial situation? Should they invest or every single human? Every single human on this planet should own some Bitcoin, at least. Why? Why, though? Well, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of reasons. Um, but <clears throat> when, when you think about building wealth, um, a, lot of, a lot of wealth building in the past has been through gold, land, um, art, right? And the middle class and lower class are often kept out of that, right? In comes Bitcoin, and you can buy a fraction of an asset from your home, right? So when you earn income, it's 10 times easier to acquire an asset from your house without talking to a real estate agent, without going to buy art, without going to, you know, start a business or anything. And not only are you buying an asset, but you're buying an asset, you're buying the first provably scarce asset on the planet. The first provably scarce asset on the planet. What do you mean? Gold is valuable because humans, uh, gold is valuable because uh, humans recognize that it's scarce, right? We have to work, we have to dig and mine and spend thousands of hours and dollars to produce gold. We know that it's limited, but we don't know how much gold exists on the planet. I think last year or the year before, we found a mountain of gold. You will never find a mountain of Bitcoin. We don't know how much gold is there, but we know there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be created. So it's provably scarce based on mathematics. Here's my thing, though. Who created the 21 million Bitcoin, though? That's actually a, a really interesting part of the story to me because uh, we don't necessarily know. We know we have we have records of a group of people or a person um, by the uh, by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto. Right. But we don't know. We have no idea who that person or who that group is. But what they release to the world is what's called open source code. So. So, for example, you may have a bank application or your favorite app on your phone. You don't know what's going on in the background. You don't have access to that code. Bitcoin, you have access to that code. So thousands of people have looked at this code that was released by Satoshi Nakamoto and said, okay, yeah, this is solid. That's who created Bitcoin? Satoshi Nakamoto? <laughs> <laughs> That's who created Bitcoin? Satoshi Nakamoto, a person or a group. We don't know if it was a he, she, them. Nobody no knows idea. where it came from. And it's... It's, it's open source, and that's the power of that's the that's the beauty of crypto. It's all open source. It's borderless. It's permissionless. You don't have to get permission to participate in this market. That's my that's my only thing. I don't understand how it's all. We all accept it, right? Like you can buy whatever now with Bitcoin or uh, or cryptocurrency. Where did it come from? Like, I know, like, I can dig in the ground and say, oh, God made the gold. We, we, I can get, I see it. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know how, how have we placed value on it and how are we dictating how much it's worth against the dollar? That's actually a really interesting question. That's, it's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, starting with your last question um, or, or the last part of your question regarding the value of Bitcoin compared to the dollar. Uh, Bitcoin is going up because the dollar is you're comparing two assets. So the reason why Bitcoin is so expensive is because well, not only does it have a premium, most assets that trade in the market have a premium. Right. But the dollar is not as strong as it used to be. So you'll have some type of inverse correlation as the dollar grows weaker. You're, 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 you traditionally place your assets in what's called a store of value. And that's why you have the land, gold and the art. As Bitcoin has become accepted as a store of value. Right. When people don't feel confident or certain groups of people, not the whole world yet. Right. We're still on adoption curves, um, when they don't feel comfortable, right, with what's going on with the U.S. dollar, right, as a reserve, they'll put their money into something else that's going to keep that money and to bring that home. Let's say you have $100,000 in an account and you have inflation, right, even at 3% inflation over the course of, what, 10 years, you, you lose 30% of that uh, purchasing power. Understand what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yes. Can I add? Please. The, the value of it comes because the buyer was willing to purchase it at that price. In all investing, it's really just between buyers and sellers. Like right now, the reason why Bitcoin is worth, let's just say it's worth 40000 I think it was like 33000 the last time I looked or something like that. It's about forty. Okay. Oh, and it, yeah, because it went up to like forty-four, and then came down to 40. Yep. So the reason why it's worth 40000 is because somebody is willing to buy it at 40000 and when it went up to 60,000, the reason why it was worth 60,000 then is because somebody was willing to buy it at 60,000. That's the same with stocks. The prices are really moved just because the buyers and sellers are willing to buy it or sell it at a certain price. That's really the uh, only people that dictate the value as in any investing. And, okay. And specifically, when you're talking about Bitcoin, though, you, you, you can't ignore the underlining reasons of why people are placing their value on it. You know, like there's some very interesting things, like I said, first provably scarce asset in the world. It took gold 10,000 years to get to the value that it is. It's taken Bitcoin, uh, which, which is somewhere around what gold is, what maybe a $10 trillion market cap right now, $10 trillion market, if, 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 if not more, a little more, right? Bitcoin is a trillion dollar market cap, right? So those the mathematics of Bitcoin, which are designed to mathematically make Bitcoin increase in value forever, you know, is what's attractive to people like Michael Saylor, what's attractive to people like Elon Musk, what's attractive to people like Jeff Bezos as they're buying billions of dollars of this provably scarce asset. That's the most important thing in my mind. We know exactly how much of this thing exists and people are, are saying to themselves, OK, what percentage of this supply can I own? Got it. Well, wrap it up. Yeah. And all, you got Bitcoin, obviously. You got Bitcoin? Some. You got some Bitcoin? I, I sold mine at 66000 Oh, she cashed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting some, did you get some more at 30 something? Or? Not yet. So you have other crypto currency? No, I sold all mine when it was high. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. In every episode, it's a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. I'm a trader. When it comes down low, then I'll buy it back. But I sold it when it was high. Mm. Okay. Y'all got crypto? Sold it. You sold it? When you sold it? Dogecoin. I fell for it. You got got? Hey! Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm for the Doge. Doge. You got Bitcoin, right? You don't got none either? No, I buy businesses, bro. I ain't... Okay, all right. All right, speaking of which, tell me about this buying businesses thing, man. What was your first business you invested in? I bought a marketing company. Actually, um, the guy who ran the marketing company was kind of getting ready to go out of business. And um, I posed, and I'll get into that a little later. I posed as a- Get into it now. So I pose, what I do is I get online and I create all of these sites and I pose as a financing company for all of these entities, right? And then I have, I got, 188 people in the Philippines that create profiles, go into groups and say, hey, we fund these industries. Because what I realized is I... Hold on, hold on. I, hold on. <laughs> hold on, you hold on. You right. create, you pose as a finance company. Yeah. And the people in the Philippines, they run the website. Not the website. Well, yeah, landing pages, yeah. Landing pages. Mm-hmm. And there's profiles on these pages. Mm-hmm. And the people, oh, the they're in Facebook groups, right? They go in the Facebook group and they say, specialize. Hey. Might be a marketing group, might be a freight brokering or a freight group, might be this, might be that. But the whole goal is I have a 145 person research and development team overseas. So we've researched every single business you could possibly think of. The goal isn't to fund them. But what I realized is I like to buy businesses without the broker. Because most of the time the broker goes and inflate the crap out of the business because the business person that's selling it don't know how to do that. So my goal is to remove the broker out because they're going to try to eat off the commission. And so what I do is I realize that they would apply and they would tell me what they're applying for the fund. So for instance, they say, hey, I need 30000 for marketing. I got a marketing company. So why not provide that marketing for you instead of 30000 for a percentage of your company? And I give you the resources for my team and we can just take over that department for 30% of the equity. Right. Wow. So now when you're applying, the whole application process, if we go through, and what I also learned 
is you're not going to get the information that you need from the broker of the wheat side of the business. But if they're applying to get funding, they tell you everything about the business. So you already have it before you actually engage to get a percentage of equity in a company to save it. <laughs> so. This man's smart, man. Yeah, no. So when they fill in the application out, so they tell I'm you everything. I'm thinking you buy businesses, you see a company like, yo, you need some help, some little barbershop. You know what I mean? I'm going to invest. Well, I do that too. I just bought a, a, a pizza shop that's doing a little over $2 million in, in revenue in New York. Really? So yeah, he's 83. And you know, I always talk about building, organized, documenting, and delegating the business. The biggest problem is you got a lot of baby boomers getting ready to die out. I hate to say it like that, but yes. they're getting old, right? It. So it's a $12 trillion market for wealth transfer about to happen in the next 10 years. The problem is, is there's nobody out there to buy these businesses. So take him for instance, had a 45 year run with the business, but he don't have anybody to turn it over to, hmm. right? So the problem with that is that business is going to die out. So what's important to him? The legacy. If he don't have it turned over, so now i got to identify number two, the person that he never thought about putting in charge that worked there the last 20 years. Let me give them 10% of the equity just to be the jockey and run the day-to-day -day so I can back off from it. And then therefore I can use all the resources because he didn't do DoorDash. They didn't do Uber Eats and none of that. They don't even know their clients. They didn't have birthday lists. They didn't have marketing. I have the team that's going to do that. You can call in and the team in the Philippines to answer the phone to take the order. We can put the system together to do online order and everything. So the whole goal is to be able to buy to the 3X, provide- You're talking too spicy right now. You're talking too spicy. No, I mean, so it's buying it at the 3X, right? And then providing the resources in the ecosystem and sell 49% of the shares and get like a 26X on IPO. So when you go on public, now those shares, instead of like a 3X, an X is a multiple, a year of revenue, or a year of profit, right? So now when you private, when you go from, and I said this bar last night, I realized when you go from private to, the, uh, private to public, is when you go from rich to wealth. So, you go from private so when you go to private, so the whole goal is to buy all of the businesses that are between a one and a 3X, create the ecosystem, either do a tuck in, right? and create the ecosystem, put all, a tuck-in is when I buy a marketing company and put it to a customer service company. So now, instead of providing just customer service, we do customer service and marketing. And now it can be this conglomerate that I can actually take public. So now when you buy it at like a 3X on private, three times the revenue, and you go public, each one of those shares now, you get what I'm saying? So now that's literally like 26X, that's 26 times the revenue when you go public. That's why people go from rich to wealthy when they go from private to public. So the goal is to buy a lot of private companies, tuck them into this one big public company and roll it out to a IPO and then, yeah, build wealth. I like that. I like that. You know, I want to I know how each of you view money. Like how you, how you view money. So I remember working at the Cheesecake Factory where I... I mean, you, you do a good job and then you make some money and it just goes with the rest of it. I just put it in my account. I'm like, oh, wow, I got $1,000 in my account. And I looked at money as a way to pay my bills. And the more I have, the more cool stuff that I can do, right? But I, I would, I'd be interested in knowing how you all view money, especially Daniel. Okay. The difference between... Is there a difference between what, what culture are you, first off? Culture. Yeah. What, what nationality? I have a Romanian nationality and I have United States nationality. So you're Romanian, though. Rom 
I spent my first 18 years there, yes. Okay, gotcha. What's the difference between... Okay, where, where do you see Americans, okay? How do you feel most Americans view money? Broad. So, first of all, when we say Americans, America is so diverse. We have people from everywhere. Some people travel internationally. Some people don't. But when it comes to money, we only have one currency here, the United States dollar. Um, and most people see it as a utility, just something that you transfer your effort in this little paper that you give to somebody else to pay your rent with. And uh, that's, that's about it. But once you get to the investing level, the little bill, if you park enough of them, will give you the ability not to have to work anymore. And that's the magic in it. So um, your question is a little bit too broad. It is broad. Because America is so complex and so organically evolving. And, but you hear, you have, go ahead. Are you familiar with black culture? To some extent, depending what black culture. My wife is black, but she's Colombian. Yeah. So uh, you know. But do do you ever do you ever see the differences in how people use their money between black culture, white culture? Absolutely. What are some differences? Asian. Like, what are some differences that you see from an international standpoint or cultural standpoint? You're strictly talking about black people from different places. Yeah, give me that. Okay. Or, well, just, or just different cultures, period. Urban culture. Urban. So I, I, I'm going to qualify the question. The reason I'm trying to Sure. Get. So I went to this mastermind. And... I went... I need to tuck my joint. Um, I, went, I, I went to this mastermind, right? And it was all, like, wealthy people. And it was probably 250 people in the room. All of them white. There was, like, two or three people. Black people in this room. And nobody had a chain on. Nobody had diamonds in their watch or nothing like that. So I actually tucked my chain. Like, I was around, I was like, man, I was not wearing as well. You know what I mean? I used to see no Gucci bucket hats, you know. I used to see no Louis Prince or nothing. I'm like, dang. Anyway. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. 
But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay, I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people t- listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so you secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal yeah so i'm interested in how different cultures use their money so from your perspective how do black people use their money Vanity. <laughs> Lots of vanity. A lot of vanity. From the red carpet to the club to making donations to have the first seat in the church. To, but but there's, there's the black version because white Americans do the same thing. You can have a big white house in Alpharetta, but work three jobs and never be at home. Mm. So it's, it's the same thing. And uh, it just, yeah. <laughs> vanity. Which is the most human, the most human thing, because we do it in, in different way. Um, my personal life has been, when I first found out that I got a completely undeserved scholarship to study in the United States, my grandfather told me that, look, before you learn English, you have to learn the tax system. And um, once you get here, you have to remember two things. Money make money and people make money. And the quickest you can move from the second to the first, the better it is. Now, some of you have won the genetic lottery and maybe have been raised by family that taught you about investing, taught you about saving, taught you about uh, having that pile of cash that it's always there for a few months ahead. I had to learn through experience. I came in America with $200. I lost twice everything. But at one point or another, I realized, you know, I have 10 years with my business. I'm making a lot of money. 
But if I stop, the money stopped coming. And that's the moment the light came on. I started reading about value investing, a lot of Warren Buffett books. And uh, little by little, I started putting absolutely everything I have with a big sense of urgency into things that make me money. And it is only now that I actually realized that in a way or another, I got there. Last year, COVID, I got hit like a lot of people. And I had eight months with foggy brain. I literally had one year, complete year that I took off. And um, the choice that I made a few years ago about investing made it possible the last year I didn't lose my home. And that today I can start over because, well, he's paying me interest. Uh, <laughs> and a few other people the same way. And uh, so I hope that in some way answers your question. Yeah, I appreciate that. Kenneth, how do, you, how do you view money as a whole? For me, because this is all I do every day, um, money is a tool. It is a, it's all it is. Now, humans, we place emotions toward this tool. And sometimes those emotions can lead us to do amazing things. Sometimes those emotions can lead us to do not so smart things. Um, but ultimately, it is a tool. Um, so I have a unique position because I get to see, I get to see the real deal. When people are on Instagram and flashing and seeing all the driving the nice, beautiful cars and all the beautiful pieces of jewelry and things of that right. sort. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm saying the second and, round. I'm taking this off. I'm okay, not. I'm saying to you. But when they come to someone like us, like me, and we have to see everything, we've got to see bank statements and credit reports, and in some cases, tax returns. So we will see your entire, essentially, financial balance sheet. We know what it's going to look like. So you can't necessarily, quote, unquote, front on us because we have to see it. Some folks will essentially use that cash for to do things that I just necessarily don't understand, but it is what it is. But it is a tool. And we I'll let Shinsi share with our investors, hey, look, at the end of the day, Everyone has an opportunity to use this tool to create more wealth for yourself. Ultimately, investing is a function of taking measured steps, calculated steps, getting advice from people who have actually done it before, and just going out to the market and really doing it. And so we want to make sure that people truly understand that. But it is a tool. And I learned that a long time ago. Take the emotion out of it. Look at the rate of, look at what this investment is going to generate for you and your family. I also, I, I invest in land, so I love land. It's a, not a sexy product. It's not something a lot of people talk about. It's not something people really have an interest in, but to me, it's something that I just love doing. Um, and the reason for that is I do exactly what uh, Daniel does, seller financing land. And noticing that just having these pieces of land allows you to really be able to kind of take off time whenever you need it to but it truly is just a tool. Take the emotion out of it. Understand that there is good and bad things that can come out of this using this tool. And if you can do that, um, you'll do well. Um, and if you just keep doing it, and it's also, you just got to keep doing it. It's consistency, you know, just like I think you said earlier, you know, one of my favorite shows is Shark Tank. Mr. Wonderful says, hey, look, money is like some little shoulders. We want to put those shoulders out every day and we want more soldiers come back in. Very similar. There's no difference to that. I like it. 
I want to stir the pot a little bit. Stir the pot. Go ahead. Tell me real quick. Can admit that um, for a good portion of your life you had a a, a backwards view of money. But I know for a long time, if you get let's say like your taxes come back, you get a windfall of money. We look at it like all of the things that I can buy. <laughs> it's funny, but right. Like, we get the money, we're like, you need a new car. And then your car ain't good enough. You know what I mean? Like, you get it like, oh, my gosh, I need a new car. I just need one. Now that you got money. Two weeks ago, you were just driving that joint with the water in the back seat. So you can... Good. No, nah, so I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. I hate money. Um you hate and, money? Yeah, I do. So, well, it's because it's debt. So debt for... Poor people is destruction. Debt for wealthy people is the blueprint, right? So it's three phases, right? Earn it, grow it, protect it, right? So let's just hypothetically talk about Jeff Bezos, right? So the whole goal is if I got equity in a company or if I got stock. So if I take the money, no matter how much money I make, I'm getting rid of 98% of it, like ASAP. I got to get it away from me mm. because I got to put it somewhere that's going to grow. If it's sitting in my account and the attorney general get pissed off at me or something, they snatching it. But if I got it somewhere in private equity funds that's dancing around for me, I can always have enough credit. So let's say Jeff Bezos has 16% equity in, in um, Amazon. So his net worth will be billions. So if he goes to try to pull $5 billion, they're going to hit him for half of it. Why wouldn't he take and get a loan against the equity for $5 billion, right? So now that loan, you're getting all of that. And then you're getting to write off the interest. And you didn't have to pull the money to get half of it taken. So now what the wealthy do is they take the money, make it dance, then they protect it, and then get loans against the protection, and then they write off the interest of those loans so they never lose half their money. Wow. Wow. This, is why, this is why I'm glad we're having this conversation because like, you guys see money in a different way. It's like a complex formula, kind of. Fitz, I'd be interested in knowing how you look at money. If you got Somebody paid you $10,000 for something. So, of course, I'm a crypto guy. So, um, when I think about money, like you said, when you first get introduced to money, you don't really understand it. Um, and I think a lot of people confuse money and currency, and they're two different things. Right. Uh, so, so, money, on a fundamental level, money is a store of value, unit of exchange. Um, it needs to be um, fungible. Right, it needs to be easily transferable. Right, those are the qualities of money. So anything that you have that fits within those fundamental qualities is technically money. Currency is a representation of money that, you know, is typically fiat currency from a government or something like that to help you easily get around. Right. So when we think about money, gold was the most recent form of money. It was difficult to move around with money. So ultimately, banks came and said, hey, we'll hold those, that, that, that gold for you. We'll hold that money, right? And we'll let you, we'll give you these notes so that you can easily transact in the market. And that's where the currency came from, Ooh. right? But the money is, was the gold, right? So when I look at money, when I think of money, I think of it from a fundamental standpoint. So when we think of, so, so it, it, it's always funny to me when people are like, oh yeah, I sold my Bitcoin. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, when do I sell it? Right. 
Bitcoin is one of money. Real money is an asset. Right. Why would you sell an asset like Derek said? The wealthy don't sell assets. We borrow against it. That Lamborghini outside, I borrowed against Bitcoin. What do you mean? I put Bitcoin up in the same way, you know, these guys borrow against these private equity firms. I borrowed against my stash of Bitcoin. How did you do that, though? I got a little bit of Bitcoin. It's like a, <laughs> I so, got a whole so, coin. You know? <laughs> but I'll, I'll explain. So let's say you have a piece of property. Let's say you have real estate. Let's say your, 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 your property is paid off. It's worth $500,000, right? You now have equity. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you wanted to pull some of that equity out, you would go to a bank or a lender and say, hey, I'll give you this, this, this note or a piece of paper that, 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 that serves as collateral and I want you to give me some liquid cash. It's still my building, right, for now as long as I pay you that interest. But now I got this building and I got this this liquid capital that I can go and purchase more assets with. Mm. So instead of selling Bitcoin, instead of selling Ethereum, you borrow against it. So money to me is transforming literally every day because I've never seen a form of money that you can borrow against, go and earn and then and then use that receipt that you're using to earn to go earn more. So, so you can, so one form of money can be used three or four different times to go out and work for you. So you're maximizing that potential of smart money. That's it. Okay. Got okay, so on the Lamborghini, right? You have <laughs> you got Bitcoin. Who gave you the money? Who gave you the greenbacks? Because I don't know if it's money or currency. Currency. Who gave it? How did you buy it without selling <laughs> your Bitcoin? Who gave you that? So there's there's a few different companies. Um, there's 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 traditional companies like BlockFi will do it. That's who I use. Um, but you can do it in a decentralized way as well. But even the traditional side, once you over collateralize a loan, it's very easy to make that loan happen, right? Because plain over collateralized. Because I'm meaning, not help Joe. You don't really. <laughs> so over collateralized <laughs> meaning if I want to borrow fifty thousand dollars. I need to have seventy-five thousand or uh, worth of value that I'm giving you, or a hundred thousand dollars worth of value, right? Because if you're going to hold that collateral that's worth seventy-five or a hundred thousand, if I default on that fifty thousand, guess what you got? Seventy-five thousand or a hundred thousand dollars worth of value, whatever that is. What you be doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. But and and just like what he's doing, once again, like I said earlier, it's very difficult 
for the lower class to make that plight to become wealthy when you got to jump through all these hurdles to find real estate deals, to find um, business deals versus you can go on Cash App and buy Bitcoin. And now you have one of the top perform. You have the top performing asset for the past 10 years. I like that. OK, y'all got it? Are we wheels turning? Good, good, good. OK, Terry, money. To me, money is a gift and money is ministry. You know, a gift and ministry. Mm-hmm. Money is a gift and money is ministry. So I believe that everything that I have comes from God. It's a gift. And then it has to go out. Like it has to be actually moving to your point of like every 90, 98%. Like to me, first of all, I have to be a good steward of it. If, if 70% of what I have gotten is not actually like in my accounts or moving for me, then I did something wrong. If I just spent it on something frivolous that actually isn't building up anything for me, then something's wrong. Like I, I looked at my accounts recently and I was like, you know, I've made this much over the last three years and the accounts only have this much. What happened to the rest? So it's a gift that we need to steward well. And then I think of, um, you know, I'm a Bible girl, but in the in the word, it says that Jesus was doing ministry and there were some women with him. And they were funding the ministry out of their resources. So I feel like as we get this money, it's now our job to actually use it to build ministry and build people, build the word of God, get it extended to other places. And we're just called to be good stewards of it. So that's, yeah. Were you always a good steward over your money, though? I have been because I've always been a hustler. Like back in high school, even my mom had lost her job and I had to make sure that I could like afford everything still. So I had like a candy business at school in high school. So it's always been where I just made sure that I had enough to take care of me and what I needed to take care of, even if like my family couldn't provide. So I have I've always been a saver and I've always been like a business person. What about the rest of y'all? Y'all always been good with money? Mm-mm. No? <laughs> Daniel, you always be good to learn. You can always have it. So, for a period, I have a problem being bad with money, but uh, I'm disciplined. Disciplined? Yes. Mm. Are you on No, I move it because I'll do something stupid with it. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> I I've yeah. become disciplined. You've become disciplined. I've had to train myself to become disciplined. What was that training like? Um, it was very hard. It was very, very difficult. Yeah. Funny story. I, I feel like I can share this with you guys. Yeah, we family. I came to Atlanta from Houston, Texas, uh, back in 1996. There was a popular event. I'm telling on myself a little bit. Free Free. I know it. I know it. <laughs> so, no, well, well, let, 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 let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. So, what is, what is the first thing they do when you walk into a college campus? I don't campus? know, brother. I don't be out. What, what I'm saying is, when you walk into this college campus, go into this arena and they've got all these credit card companies. Here I am, this wide-eyed 17-year-old, admittedly um, admittedly sheltered kid from Nigerian, and you know, there's just a sheltered kid. Um, walk into this arena and I see all these credit card companies. Discover, Visa, not American Express because you're too young to have it. Um, and you know, go ahead and get a credit card. So my 17-year-old self decides to go out and wants to capture, catalog all these events. And I went and bought, I had a $1,000 credit card. Went and bought 
went to my favorite store, Best Circuit City at the time, and bought a $899 camcorder to videotape, chronicle my freshman year of college. Um, fast forward. Uh, fast forward a couple months, went back to Houston. My little brother essentially was playing with the camera. He was like seven at the time. Broke this camera. Thousand dollar camera. Took me five years to pay off that thousand wow. dollar credit card. So while I was in grad school, I was like, I was still paying off this credit card. I had to train myself. Like that wasn't smart. And so I should have taken that same thousand dollars and invested in myself or invested in some other money-making opportunity. Like if you obtain debt, if you have any type of credit, you have to figure out a way to make a difference on or, uh, a return on that credit. That was just a bad decision. So I had to train myself and I had to learn how to become more financially astute. It is a method. It's a process. Everybody, honestly, everybody's going to go through it. But it's, there's nothing wrong with it. If you have to go through it, then go through it. But as long as you acknowledge it, you understand that you have an issue with it, you have to start thinking things like budgeting. You have to start doing things like coming to here. You have to start talking to, surrounding yourself with different folks um, and just kind of changing yourself into becoming more financially astute. Yes, I had to train myself. Um, it was tough, but it's, it's much better. Now. And, and, and you all, you have money now, right? But there are many of us that maybe we make $30,000, dollars $50,000 a year. Where will we start to invest? Where do we start to put our money with not a whole lot of income? Like we're just getting over the hump and just trying to get the bills paid. and We got a little bit of breathing room. Where do we start? I say carve out enough because everybody's looking online, right? And, you know, it's a lot of pandemicpreneurs just making everything look good. So you're looking at it and you're like, man, I ain't really making it. You know what I'm saying? So no, it's, it's the truth, right? So no, I'm just like looking at them and you're like, wow, they're killing it. You got to realize they were in a market. They probably a coach. They probably a consultant. They was in a market where everybody had 20,833. So this was a boom. No, for real. So, so a lot of people was like, like, man, y'all know what that 20,833 is? It's a 2833. But like a lot of people in that phase was like paying for coaching. So it was like, wow, I'm good. I'm an entrepreneur. But now we're on this side of it. So a lot of people, they feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm stuck. But they had a million dollar dream, but they only got $40,000 yearly bills. And what I always try to tell people to do is if you start somewhere small and create some stream of revenue to cover the bills, then that pressure, once that pressure goes away, you don't have to keep leaving entrepreneurship to go back to nine to five. You don't have to keep stressing out about not making it work because that's in place for it. You know, go cre create content for somebody, go do the small stuff. And once you carve out the bills, then all you gotta do is start doing extra stuff and then start making that money move. And so a lot of people be like, man, I wanna make a million dollars move, but you don't wanna make $10 move. And so once you start learning how to make $10 move, you can scale that a lot easier. I love that. I love that. I love that. So where, 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 do we, where do we start? I mean, anybody got any advice for us? I have a couple things, Fitz, and then I'll pass it to Fitz, because Fitz is like, I've got something. This is not exactly investing, but it's a tip just that people need to know when they have something small. I know that I have always wanted to be a giver, and I used to always say, well, when I get this money, then I'll give. 
but you got to be able to give when you have what you have right now. Mm. Like you got to learn how to develop that skill at your current bank account. And I remember even like my little brother, this is before it's a teacher salary, educator salary, it's just a principal salary, not a lot. Um, my, my brother, I was like, you know what? I want to be a, a philanthropist in the back, you know, when I grow up. I was already an adult, but still, when I grow up, and God, God really put on my heart, well, give to him now. Make a sacrifice now. Show me that you can do it now at this place. So I remember, like, getting $1,000, which at the time, like, you know, as an educator, just keeping your account at 1000 is a big deal. Yeah. Like, so I gave $1,000 to my little brother, and that was my sacrifice. Now God knows he can trust me with more at this bigger level because he knew that I could make a sacrifice when I had less. Mm. So for people that don't have a lot, I feel like anything that you've been wanting to do, start doing it now. Just do it on a smaller scale. Exactly to your point, Derek. Yes, yeah. But that's important because you got to show that you have that discipline and you got to show that you can make that sacrifice. So that's one point. Another thing, y'all, it takes money to make money. So while you are still in this phase of having a small amount of money, you need to get a side hustle and be real good at that. Like even as a big investor now, my online course funds my investing portfolio. And before it was real estate funded, my commissions from real estate, I would help teachers relocate every summer, funded trading and me becoming better. So you are going to need something to fund your account. You can't just start with zero dollars and say, I want to invest in, in stocks and options because you probably will lose. So you're going to need something to be able to replenish that after the first mess up. And then you can keep building from there and then get educated to that last thing. Now go fix Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. First off, I'm not, before you answer that question, what should I invest in right now? <laughs> you know, I ask you that question. I'm like, okay, what do I need to buy right now? For Bitcoin. Thing? Bitcoin. <laughs> Easy. You don't, got, you don't got the little ones? Like the little... What you got? Man, you always sitting on something, man. Like... All right. So um, a really interesting protocol. A couple really interesting protocols that I'm looking at right now. Um, one just came out. Well, the token just came out um, a couple months ago. It's called Pocket Network. So what they're doing oh, is... Hold on. What's the little thing? What's the... <laughs> P I'm not gonna buy it. Well, I don't know. There's a P on it. It's pushing P. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you said it's called Pocket Pocket what? Network. P O K T Network. P O K. Is it on Coinbase? No. If it's on Coinbase, you're probably a little too late. Really? Mm. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Keep going. Pocket. So so okay. so what? And I'll just tell you real quick what it is. Pocket Network. Um. So so when you have these different apps on your phone, um. Amazon Web Service is typically behind it, right? They're doing all the TC, TCP IP, a whole bunch of connections that make that interface work seamlessly for you, give you a great user experience. Crypto is all about decentralization, meaning that there's no central authority. Amazon Web Service is a central authority. So if the government or Amazon wanted to shut something down, they can just cut the servers off. Now that app has a problem. Pocket Network comes in and replaces um, Amazon Web Services and does it in a decentralized way. So instead of Amazon capturing all of that profit from providing that service, now folks like you and I can come in and participate in that network and see some of the funds that are earned by providing that hosting service. So it's a very infrastructural piece of crypto. So it's not like a doge where they're still trying to figure out what it's going to do. It's not a Shiba where they're figuring out what it's doing. It's actually providing real life services 
right now and it has a serious use case. Gotcha. Okay. Give me one more real quick. Uh, another one is called Levana. Levana? Levana um, stands for leverage, uh, leverage any asset, right? And Levana is a really interesting, um, is a really interesting uh, 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 protocol. It's, it's built around a game. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. Right. And there's a sector of crypto um, called decentralized finance. So everything that the banks and stuff do, right, that power is now in our hands. We actually have more capabilities than banks. People just don't know it. Right. But those the, the raw materials are there. The issue is a lot of these different financial products are very advanced, very complicated, and it's difficult for people to grasp those concepts. So what Levana does is they gamified the an aspect of decentralization. So they've created this whole story behind it. They include NFTs. They have a coin. So it's an entire ecosystem. And they understand that the next generation that's coming up, they like games. So that's how they're growing that market, right? So right now, everybody who's a part of this ecosystem has um, the Levana NFTs, right? And, it's, and it's, a lot of people in here aren't going to relate. There's dragons, dragon eggs, stuff like that. There's a whole thing, but they have a, it's, it's very well thought out, uh, like very strategic game theory. I'm talking about super gigabrain type stuff. So the token is slated to come out maybe in about six weeks or so. But it's very different than the other games. And, and let me premise this by saying the games in crypto are very different than the games that we're used to playing. You sit on a game and you play a game for thousands of hours and you don't have anything to show for it, right? Even if you build this character up or you build this weapon or something, you, it's a, it, it belongs to the game, right? In crypto, if you do that, right, there's this new style of game called play to earn. So as you're playing the game, the economy around the game is designed to where you actually earn income. So like Derek has those folks in the Philippines working. A lot of folks in the Philippines transition and make and are making their entire living off of play to earn games on the blockchain. So Levana is the newest evolution of the blockchain play to earn games. And, and I'm about to get a little technical a little bit. People may not know, but most of the blockchain games are based off of an automated market maker like a, a DEX or a decentralized exchange, something like Coinbase, right? Except there's, it's not a centralized entity. Levana comes in and does something a little different. Instead of a traditional AMM, they come in... AMM? Automate, automated market maker. So Automated market maker, though. <laughs> instead of an automated market maker, Levana comes in and and creates the game around perpetual swaps. 
which is a fancy word for saying leverage. Okay, all right, because you you about to go. I'm telling you, <laughs> you talk to fit. You know, you ever met somebody who know everything about every car? He can go down a hole on this step. I'm telling you, y'all. As soon as you go into AMM. All right, so Levada. Okay. <laughs> all right, so so where do where do we start right now? Where would you say we need to put our money to work? All right, so. You know, like like you asked earlier, you're like, hey, have you guys always been good at managing money? Absolutely not. You know, I came from a very poor family, never talked about assets, never talked about money management. So I was always good at getting money, but managing money, properly managing money is something that's new to me, you know? So something that really changed the dynamic, the way I think about money, and I would encourage everybody to go and grab this book, very simple, sweet book, right? And I, and I know you've read it because you, you say things, um, 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 that I, that I feel are, are, are birthed from it. And it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And, 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 and one of the first rules from, um, of, of, of building wealth in Richest Man in Babylon is pay yourself first. So if you want to, so, and, 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 and let me premise that by, we, we've been talking about um, the Bible, which has a lot of wisdom and stuff like that in it, right? And... One thing that I learned from the Bible is from, from Dr. Miles Monroe. And um, long story short, anything that's mismanaged will be led astray. Right? So even if you aren't doing anything with the money that's sitting in your savings account, that's a form of mismanagement if right. there's something that it can be doing that's better. Yep. You know? So, so, so first... You got to learn to pay yourself first and you got to be strategic. You got to be, you got to be smart about how you manage the money that you're using to pay yourself first. So that 10%, when you know about Bitcoin, when you know that this is an asset that I can buy from home, your savings should be in something that's going to appreciate in value. Even if it fluctuates, it appreciates an average of 200% per year. So now it's working for you when you're not working. Once you get that lump sum, now guess what? Even if, once again, everybody isn't great at content or being online and stuff like that. Even though I'm on Instagram, I don't, I'm not consistent with it. It's not me, right? So you can take that money now with the tools that are available with very small amounts and put it in strategic places in the crypto space and start earning things like 20% a year. Easy, really low risk. And you can scale that up to where it's based on your own risk tolerance, which you can, you know, kind of kind of manage based on your own knowledge. Right. But there's 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 things in crypto where you can have your dollars earning 80, 90, 100 percent per year. And that's how you can start compounding. That. So that's so that's just one example. And of course, there's details to that, but it allows you to build wealth with a very small amount of capital without cutting you out because of credit, because of relationships, because of Instagram, because of content. It removes all barriers. I love that. I love it. We're going to wrap up before we get there. Daniel, talk to me, man. Where do you feel like we need to start? Investing or starting a business? Investing. Investing. What should I do with my money right now? I make $30,000, dollars $50,000 a year. Before investing... Consider the principles that will act as a guardrail, a safety for you. Invest in what you understand. If you don't understand crypto, if you don't understand commercial real estate, 
stay away from it. Secondly, have uh, an amount of money that acts as a safety, liquidity. At least three, four, five months worth of your expenses, which also means you might have to pay attention to how much you're spending, but have a balancing act in there. And if you invest and you're just starting with it, have investments that are fairly safe and have an easy way to turn them back into cash. Uh, for example, index funds or anything that's traded publicly, it's easy to take just a portion of it and cash it out versus a real estate building. If you suddenly have an emergency and you need $50,000 and you have a million dollar building, you cannot exactly sell a few square feet of it. So before investing, have those guardrails in place, have principles that will protect you and pay attention at the stage in your life. Because if you're young and you have time to recover, you can take more risk. But if you're already 40s, 50s, 60s, and you put a lot of money into something that you might lose and you have no time to recover, then uh, retirement is gonna be a sad story. Uh, to start with, index funds, it's very, very safe. Uh, and they are actually index funds that pay dividends. So there is actually a way to earn money while the money grows. And it's fairly safe. No investment is safe. But index fund is like growing with America, you know? There is up and down, but generally is up. I like that. I like that. Last thing. Uh, hey, Kenneth, I didn't get to hear from you. Where do we start right now? I'm a real estate guy, so I'm going to be a little bit partial or biased to real estate. Um, there's a word in real estate called syndication. It's a fancy way of saying to pulling resources together. Um, let's say, you, and this has happened to numerous folks that we've worked with and clients of ours. Let's say you're making thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year and you have a couple of dollars saved up. But you want to go out and you want to get started investing in real estate. Uh, number one, you want to put together a plan. You know, what does that look like? Are, do you have the risk tolerance to get into like a fix and flip? Those are the sexy loans that I like to call the sexy deals. You take a property, you renovate it, and you sell it for a boatload of money. Um, I really like the rental properties. I like the landlord properties because those are really true creations of wealth. You know, I think you either Daniel, you said it earlier, the wealthy necessarily don't sell their assets. So fix and flips are great. Love them. However, rental properties, it's, it's, that's where you benefit from so many things. The appreciation of the asset, the cash flow, the tax incentives, so many things you can benefit from. So if you decided to just say, pull your resource together, and when I say syndication, you could get a couple of friends together. Hey, you bring 2,000, you bring 5,000 here, I bring 5,000. You're pulling those resources together, you're gonna go out and buy your first property. Uh, and that may not be like a lot, and it doesn't have to be a big property. It could be a $150,000 property. It's Atlanta, prices are going up. It could be a $250,000 property, you bring 25% down, um, that gives you the money to, to, as a down payment. So now you're cash flowing, but you have a couple of folks. In our industry, because we are commercial lenders, we allow for people to partner up with each other. We encourage that. We want you to partner up with it. Like in this room, you guys should truly network with each other because you have no idea who you're sitting around. And so it's good to just kind of make those connections. And so by being able to make those connections, 
you can partner up with folks to allow you to buy your first piece of real estate. And what that first piece of real estate will allow you to do is get the confidence that you need to go out and buy the second one, the third one. Now, if you want to go out and do fix and flips, which is something, you know, this is fine, um, go out and do it. But pull resources together. You don't have to do this by yourself. You are not alone. You can go out and work with other folks. I think one thing in our, you know, I tend to see this in other communities as opposed to our communities. We don't necessarily like working with each other. And so, whereas in other communities, they have absolutely no problem with that. And again, that's a general statement. That's a blanket statement I'm going to make. But I would highly encourage folks to truly get together and partner with each other just to do that one thing. And just start with one. It doesn't, you don't try to go out and buy the Taj Mahal or a half million. You just start with one. One for 150, 250, and get that experience. In fact, to kind of take it a step further, the young lady here, you're uh, in big into Marvel. And shout out to you. I love the Marvel Universe MCU. Um, you could go out and buy a rental property and, and put in an Airbnb platform. So now you're in the hospitality industry and you can make a three, five, 10x on your capital for that particular property. So I'm pretty sure you're doing pretty well with those Airbnb properties that you own. But that's what I would encourage a lot of folks to do. It's, it's a safe asset. Uh, you know where it's going to be. And you can, and you can start to get in the habit of working with others. Because syndication to me is one of the most powerful things in real estate investing. That is insane. Most of the folks, most drive through downtown Atlanta. I guarantee you, 99% of the building that you're going to see is a form of syndication. There was groups that got together and said, hey, look, you're going to bring this. I'm going to bring this. We're going to come together. We're going to just keep, keep building and buying and building and buying. It's a repetitive process that has to keep coming. And you'd be surprised how many often. But just start off with, just start with one. Just one. I like it. What up? Yeah. Look, y'all. Um, episode is sponsored by Trade and Travel, tradeandtravel.com. Anybody would mind making a thousand dollars a day? Investing, put your money into something, make it happen. Uh, my sister Terry is a magician at that. How many students you got that's making money? Over sixteen thousand. Over sixteen thousand students. And in our group is really built too. Like everybody, oh, I made my thousand today. I made my ten thousand today. Like it's really going down. So um, we uh, this sponsored by Trade and Travel. Give them a round of applause. Trade and Travel. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. Let's go. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.